Let's go. Welcome to the Dad Presents, where we pledge allegiance only to family and freedom. In just a bit, guys, we're going to be having a conversation for parents about money and the economy with financial expert and host of Liberty Lockdown, Clint Russell. Times are getting tough out there, guys. You know, inflation, everything is getting rough, and you need to know how to take care of your families. But before we get into all that, please remember to follow the podcast on YouTube. The name of the channel is Super Bad Dad. It's at youtube.com slash C slash Super Bad Dad. Why that name? I don't know. No good reason. Mostly because I'm, I'm dumb. But hey, if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, we're also on Rumble now, and you can find it there at The Dad Presents, you're probably seeing this badass new lighting we got. You like that? Looks pretty cool, huh? Um, please subscribe, write some comments and all the other little things that help us get paid likes, all that stuff. So guys, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you get fat? Did you drink a lot and make some bad decisions and have silly political fights with dummies and impregnate your third cousin on your mama's side? Hope not. I made it through the whole holiday without getting into a single argument with anyone in my family. And that was awesome. It's just, it's not worth it. You know, you you gotta love family, even the dummies. Like, why do you want to take one of the only days you get off all year long and argue with your QAnon Uncle Tony or your liberal cousin Annie, who now goes by the name of Moonbeam and has purple hair and identifies as non-binary or or a monkey, like kids at my kid's school, or uh, or I don't know, a tree. Don't do it. Enjoy your days off and party with family. You ain't going to fix Uncle Tony and Cousin Moonbeam. You're not going to convince them. Their mind's made up. They broken. Okay? So just have some good times, man. It's the holidays. Have some good times. Relax, chill, and remember that for Christmas. Because I know a lot of you, you had tough Thanksgivings. I've talked to some of my friends out here, and that's what they did. They spent the whole holiday arguing. You can't do that. My family... You know, Italian family, Ukrainian family on, on, on my grandmother's side. We, we drank a lot. We ate a lot. We had a great time. And shout out to my dad. He hosted back-to-back days basically by himself for about 70 aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and everything. Poppy Joe, well done. The hostess with the mostest. It was terrific. Love you. Um, so anyway... I've been working from home since the pandemic started, you guys know, and I love working from home. But now, as of this week, the bride's working from home too. And (laughs) that's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, who doesn't want to be with their special person every single minute of every single day for 365 days a year until I die? What asshole wouldn't love that? I mean, sure, in the past 18 months, she's been super spoiled that on her days off, she could just burst into my office whenever she wants and blurt out things while I'm in an investor meeting like, hey, Matt, did you pee in the silverware drawer? And that really happened. And that was awesome because if I wasn't home, then she'd have to text me about it. And, you know, maybe the billionaire investors in our company wouldn't know that I sometimes walk in my sleep and pee in strange places. So it's amazing. And now it used to just be on her days off that she would walk in with that kind of stuff. 
But now it's not just her days off. Now it's all the days. All of the days we are going to be in this house together all the time. And I'm pretty sure that our love will thrive and we'll be even more crazy about each other with every passing day because what couple that's been married for 15 years doesn't wish to be together all the time? I mean, frankly, I wish there were eight days in a week so that I could get one more day per week to spend with my amazing and wonderful and perfect wife. If I get a Christmas wish, I wish baby Jesus would make the week eight days a week. Make it eight days a week for me, baby Jesus. That's what I want. That's my Christmas wish. And (laughs) you know what's interesting now that she's working from home? This is interesting because she loves to barge in on me about 50 times a day while I'm working with completely inconsequential questions like, Hey, Matt, if we move to Pennsylvania next year, can we get a few space heaters because it's cold there? That's something she barged into my office to ask me about in the middle of the workday. Next year, that couldn't wait till 5 p.m. Had to know now. Or, hey, hey, Matt, did you hear that Kim Kardashian is dating Pete Davidson? Or how about, uh, Matt, my sister's going to come over and watch The Bachelor. Do you think you can fix the grill tonight? And... If she wasn't working here with me, she would have to wait to the end of her workday, the end of my workday, to ask me these very important things. And that would be terrible because I love, I, I love when she jumps in here and shares these kinds of things. But ironically, I did the same thing today. I walked into her office to make sure she knew the score of the Clippers game from the night before while she was in a meeting. <laughs> and she, she put the meeting on mute and she turned and she said, Matt, what the hell is wrong with you? Can't you see I'm in a meeting? And I said, did you pee in the silverware drawer? <laughs> she didn't like that. That's funny. You would think she would like that. I don't know. Um, so in unrelated stuff, you guys know I'm not the most handy guy of all time. I, I don't have a toolbox. I have a tool bucket and it's mostly filled with Allen wrenches from uh, Ikea. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, if I had to dispose of a package, that's like, I don't know about this big, about that big, 135 pounds. How would you guys go about disposing of that? Hit me up at Matt at the dad presents.com with your best ways to dispose of a large package. Um, so anyway, what else is up in the real world? There's a new variant. Omnicrom. <laughs> Very scary. Fauci says the vaccine might not protect you against infection of Omicron, And Pfizer has already come out and stated that they're probably going to need to tweak their vaccine in the next hundred days to make it work against this new variant. And we already know that the shot only lasts a little bit longer than that anyway. Yet Biden still comes on TV and says the way to fight this variant is through vaccination. And now we got other ass clowns on TV, like on MSNBC and CNBC, Jim Cramer. Did you see this? He suggested the military should start forcing people to get vaccinated. Yeah, he thinks the military should start doing it. (laughs) I heard that. It blew my mind. I'm like, okay, and we're different from Nazi Germany. How? I guess we haven't started putting people in, in ovens yet. But if you start sending the military into people's homes to hold them down and shove needles in their arm, 
We're not very far away from that. We will eventually get there. Believe me. So let me get it straight. You want to force my kids to inject experimental medicine that they don't need to protect them from getting a disease that they might get anyway in order to protect them against a disease that they still might get, a disease that is not a threat to them even if they do get it. And you want me to force them to inject this experimental medicine to keep them from getting a disease that it won't stop them from getting even though there's an actual cure for the disease. There's a cure. Why are we not talking about the cure? There is a cure for COVID. We've seen it over and over. We've seen it play out. Monocloidal antibodies, ZPAC, ivermectin, zinc, NAD drip. Fucking works. It straight up works. I mean, Joe Rogan, Aaron Rodgers, Tim Pool, Ari Shafir, 70-year-old fast food eating fat fuck Donald Trump, and a zillion other unvaccinated COVID plus people have followed that regimen and beaten COVID in a couple days. So, what the fuck? That's my question. What the fuck? Why don't we hear about this? Why, why do I have to go to a podcast from a comedian to hear about this? Why is this not on CNN? The vaccine doesn't stop you from getting COVID, and there's a cure for COVID. So what are these mandates about at this point? What are you talking about, Joe Biden? Fauci, grow up, bro. Get the hell off my TV. Get the hell away from my children, you fucking creep. Fauci said again this weekend, again, this is the second time. He did it in the summer. He said, quote, I am science. This motherfucker thinks he's Jesus. Now, people said Trump was a megalomaniac, and they're right. But Trump's ego can't hold a candle to Mr. I am science Fauci. Nah, bruh. <laughs> you ain't science. You're a liar and a thief. And you ignore hard scientific data, like the fact that the protection of natural immunity after an infection protects you better than the shot does. You ignore it because it doesn't support the conclusion that you want. You're a fraud. And, and we need, you know, a lot of us, we, we skirt around these issues and we touch on them and we share our opinion, but we do it in a polite and respectful way. And it's time to stop being polite and respectful because guess what? They're not polite and respectful. They're calling you terrorists. They're calling you privileged. They're calling you murderers. You being the unvaccinated, not me, I'm vaccinated. But that's what they're calling you. So, so why are we playing nice? Fauci, fuck you. You're the terrorist. True story. I don't know, man. It gets me worked up because they're talking about my kids and now they're floating out this idea of the military getting involved. And that's not just Jim Cramer just coming on and saying that. He's not coming out with that on his own. This is how the media works. The administration floats something down to them and they put it out into the ether to see how the public reacts. And then they make their decision. Well, here's how I'm reacting. Fuck you. Okay. And we all need to react that way. Fuck you. Okay. We, we need to push back hard on this kind of idea. And I think we're going to win. I, I really do. I'm feeling more and more positive every day because more and more people every day are becoming red pilled. 
regarding the fact that corporate media is not news and politicians are not interested in protecting us. It's all propaganda. The, what you see on the news is propaganda delivered to them by politicians who do not care about you. In fact, they hate you. I've known this for a very long time. Um, but when I, when I bring this message out, people look at me like I'm crazy. But a lot more people are waking up to it now. So I feel like I can be a little more emboldened about it. Because this Kyle Rittenhouse story, for one, has woken up a lot of people the way this was reported as compared to how it actually unfolded in court. People are getting red-pilled. And if you're not familiar with the red pill, it means you're seeing the truth. The, the media reports stories, not according to what is true and what is not true, but according to the characteristics of the people involved in the stories. And you might think they report according to the skin color of the subjects in the story, or the race, or the sexuality, or the gender, and they do. But all those Im Im immutable, immutable or innumerable, all those characteristics take a back seat to one very important thing. How do the people involved in the story vote? That's the main thing. How do they vote? That's what they're concerned about. They use identity politics as a tool to win, but they decide if someone's going to be a winner or a loser in the story based on how that person votes. Let me give you some examples. Okay. Kyle Rittenhouse, straight white male. He's guilty of murder, right? Wisconsin car killer. He's a black man. He's a Democrat. He's in Black Lives Matter. Innocent. In fact, he wasn't even in the car, according to the headlines. Another one, black Republican comes from the projects in the inner city of Los Angeles creates a life of wealth and prosperity for himself, lifts himself up by his own bootstrings and runs for governor against Nancy Pelosi's rich, straight nephew and poster child for white privilege. LA Times headline, Larry Elder is the new black face of white supremacy. Okay, they didn't care about Larry Elder's skin color. They care about how he votes because this is all a power grab. Uh, white Antifa people, Democrats, Burn down cities. CNN headline, mostly peaceful protests in Minnesota. Okay? A gay journalist, a minority, I think he's uh, Asian or Latino, I don't know, Andy No. He was attacked and hospitalized for covering the mostly peaceful protest. CNN headline, far right journalist instigates fight at peaceful protest. Then you got a pro-freedom, anti-mandate, actually peaceful protest of the lockdowns. MSNBC headline, white supremacists hold super spreader event in Michigan. Some people trespassed into the Capitol and broke a few windows and it was horrible. They were protesting the election and it was a bad event. But the headlines, New York Times, white supremacists attempt to overthrow the government in insurrection. Six killed. Well, um, only one was killed, and it was one of the trespassers. Black Lives Matter trespasses into a state capitol building and interrupts proceedings of a state government. Is that an insurrection and a violent overthrow of government? No. What's the headline on that? There was none. They ignored the story completely. Trans woman. Okay, the trans woman. You would think 
That would be someone they would report favorably on. Trans woman rapes a schoolgirl in a girl's bathroom at school. Twice. The dad of the raped girl talks angrily at a school board meeting because nothing was done about the rape. The headline? Not about the rape. White supremacists terrorizing school boards. Another trans woman runs for governor in California as a Republican. LA Times headline? Is Bruce Jenner homophobic? Do you see? Do you see what I'm getting out here? Now, how about how about the last two, right? Kyle Rittenhouse. Three white guys with violent criminal histories, including sodomy of a child. Okay, dads? A child was sodomized by one of these thugs. These three guys threatened to kill a white miner who's there cleaning up graffiti and has a gun to protect himself. And after they threatened to kill him, and after they call him the N-word, they then did attempt to kill him, and he shot them in self-defense. The headline? White supremacist domestic terrorist murders three Black Lives Matter activists. Those motherfuckers weren't Black Lives Matter activists. They were criminals. They were there to steal some shit and burn some shit down. Then, a week later, a black man with ties to Black Lives Matter, an actual Black Lives Matter supporter, who threatened to kill a bunch of white people on social media, a man who was convicted for sex trafficking of a child and also convicted for threatening to blow up a casino, he crept up on a parade in his car. An officer taps on his hood, tells him to get out of here. Instead of getting out of here, he proceeds to speed up and mow down a few dozen whites, killing six of them, including a child. So, you know, obviously, right, the, the, the media, they're going to report this as a domestic terrorism event by someone who hates white people, right? Because that's what it was. No. The headline, six die as car drives through parade. What? A car did that? Fucking kit from Knight Rider killed a bunch of people at a parade? Wow, man, that's intense. I, I could go on and on with that, but I won't. You get the point. They don't care about your skin color. They don't care about your gender. They don't care about your sexuality. They care how you vote. This is all about getting power, taking power and money from you, giving power and money to them. Truth doesn't matter. None of it matters. All they care about is who you vote for, and they use identity politics as their tool to steamroll people who get in their way for desire of complete power. So none of this identity politics crap that we talk about all the time, none of it's helping minorities. None of it's making the world a better place. And that's not its intention. Its intention is to create an environment where neighbors view one another as terrorists and threats and white supremacists and scary, scary people and bad and evil while they suck up all the power and money. And it's working beautifully because we play right into their hands. And we got to stop. Because look, man, when two strangers sit down over a beer, let's take a let's take a, a gay black man and a straight white man. Those two dudes sit down over the beer. What they're gonna find is that they want the same things in life. They want health. They want some financial security. They want love. They want friendship. Skin color and sexuality and political ideology doesn't factor into any of that. And we got to stop 
allowing them to trick us into focusing on inconsequential innate characteristics and just get back to spreading love and liberty. Like the sign says right behind me, we got to get back to spreading love and liberty because liberty is the pathway to love and love is what the fuck it's all about, right? You could have all the money in the world. If you ain't got love, if you ain't got family, you ain't got shit. You might have an easy life with all the money in the world, but you won't have a happy, fulfilling one, okay? We need the liberty to get the money to get the, to find love. And we got to get back to striving for a colorblind society. That's what we used to do a decade ago. That's, that's what liberals were talking about a decade ago. That's what Martin Luther King was talking about, a colorblind society. Let's get back to that. That makes sense. So, you know, if you have friends who watch a lot of CNN, and they start playing the identity politics game, just shut it down. Just tell them you don't play that game. If they want to talk about politics, force them to actually like talk about the politics, talk about the issues, talk about here's a problem, here's what I think we should do. But don't let them suck you into talking about identity politics. It's a trap. Our overlords are spreading misinformation to make us hate each other, to promote hatred and division, so they can get all the power and wealth. And let's fuck them up by rejecting it and spreading some motherfucking love. I love all you guys. I really do. And you know what else I love? Sheath underwear. <laughs> Sheathunderwear.com. When I was back east for Thanksgiving, you know, it's cold. It's cold as fuck back there in, in uh, Thanksgiving through Christmas, the winter. And my son... Ran a nine-mile race. He did amazing. So proud of that dude. Ran a nine-mile race in something like 72 minutes. Won his age group. Ran it with his little cousin. They were amazing. Anyway, it's cold as hell. And typically when I go back, you know, your you, you nuts get a little mushy and sweaty. And then that shit freezes and you get ice balls on your, your nuts. And I come back from Thanksgiving with frostbite on my boy Thor. Not this year. Sheath underwear. The dual pouch. The moisture-wicking fibers kept me dry and warm and feeling amazing. Go to sheathunderwear.com. Use code word DAD for 20% off. I appreciate you guys. Let's get into the show with Clint. Okay, we are here with Clint Russell from Liberty Lockdown. Clint has managed and made millions of dollars for his clients, and he was partially able to retire in his 30s because he was so good at his job and so good at finance. And now he hosts a fantastic Liberty podcast where he spreads the message of freedom to his listeners, Liberty Lockdown, which can be found on YouTube, iTunes, and everywhere else. We've had him on the show before. At that time, Clint was just leaving this shithole of California and getting out on the road. Thank you for joining us again, Clint. Where are you at right now? I am in Aventura, which is uh, north, northern Miami, basically. So I am in the great state of Florida, Stan, um, yeah. <laughs> under under the, <laughs> the auspices of DeSantis. So yeah, it's it's a much... Much uh, more free sensation. Definitely glad that I, I I took the exit strategy, and I'm still not committed to Miami per se, but uh, it right. definitely is. It's a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a glorious view you have there. Um, I just told you off air that we just bought a house in Florida. There's so many so many Californians are beating it out of here for specifically Florida. Like I know at least a dozen people. It's, yep. it's really wild what's going on. Now, um, we wanted to talk about economics this show because um, I've been talking about the economy on this show for a couple of years, but my degrees 
in healthcare. I don't know shit. So I want to, I want to get an expert on. Um, but before we get into all that, the last time you were on, you were super fired up about the lockdown and the mandates. And I want to ask you with everything that's gone on, I guess it's been about four months. Are you feeling more hopeful at this point? Yes and no. I mean, it, there's anytime you get a court hearing um, or a judgment that basically says, okay, we're going to, we're going to stop them here. It's, it's always a relief, you know, and, and there's been, I basically every federal level mandate has been stopped by the courts so far. Right. Um, but those are all temporary holds that will probably ultimately end up in the Supreme court. And, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful that this will mean that, you know, this, this precedent will die in its infancy. Uh, time, time will tell on that front. I mean, simultaneously, we have lots of additional pushes to uh, take this to uh, another level and, and it makes me nervous. So it's, I mean, yeah. I think it's a coin flip, honestly, at this point, like it, yes, I'm optimistic. Yes. I'm grateful that so many people are refusing to comply, but then I also saw a statistic yesterday where over 80% of people have received at least one dose of the jab and it. And that type of stuff makes me feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm getting to be a dangerously small minority of the population. Sure. And, and that's, uh, that's always a dangerous position to be in. Yeah, I, I'm getting more hopeful. Um, 80% of the population or adults have have gotten vaccinated. I got vaccinated months and months ago right. um, with the J&J. It made me sick. I won't get any boosters. I'm done with all of that. But that does, it doesn't bother me, people getting vaccinated. People now are starting to, in my opinion, just from what I'm seeing in my social circles out here in California, people are sick of it. They're, they're starting to throw their masks away. They're, they're turning off their TVs and they're just, they're not into it anymore. And yeah. that makes me hopeful. And we've, we've had the sheriff who is a Democrat come out here and say, he's not going to uh, start kicking police off the police force. That's, that's a big move. Orange County mayor has said he's not going to be enforcing any of this. So mm -hmm. I'm more hopeful than I was the last time. I, I I'm, I'm starting to feel good about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's always a teeter totter. Like it, I agree with you there, there is more reason to be hopeful now than there was before, but ultimately what I care about is, you know, in the utilitarian approach, I care about the ultimate result. Like, yeah. does this actually, do we prevail? Do we stop these mandates from becoming case law? And if we do, um, it's going to be major reason for celebration, but uh, you know, TBD. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be a fight. No doubt about it. Like it, it, the, the battle's far from over. All right. So the economy, as I mentioned, I've been talking about it for a long time, but you know, I, I realized I'm, I'm a fairly smart guy. You know, I'm not, I'm no genius, but I'm fairly smart. I'm, I'm a little above average. I didn't know shit about money, like nothing until I was at least, I don't know, 35 and I have a master's degree and it's because right. I didn't have one economics course in high school or college. And I think that's wow. intentional. Like I think I think they want us to be dumb about money, right? Um, it's, it's certainly not a priority. Yeah, yeah. So, inflation, right? It's it's starting. It's it's starting to pile up, and it's starting to snowball. Give us like a basic: what is inflation? What ca what causes inflation? Well, there's a few definitions for inflation. There's um, the purely uh, monetary supply. If it goes up then some people say that's inflation automatically. I take a little bit more of an advanced economic approach where I say that it requires M2 or mon uh, money supply plus monetary velocity. Because essentially, until, until that money begins circulating through the system, 
prices mm-hmm. don't really uh, change that dramatically. So like if say the, the Federal Reserve turns to banks and they say, hey, we're going to give you all of this money for free. Well, does that inflate prices? No, not really. Because until they deploy that capital, until that money d- hits the market and starts buying up goods, you don't really feel it. And this is the reason I hold Donald Trump in such low regard, because he is now looked at as having basically not presided over this inflationary period. But the policies that began under him, we are now feeling the brunt of. And and th- this is not to give accolades or defense of Biden, because Biden has continued in that trend. And he's also printing and putting more money into the system. And we will pay the price for that somewhere down the road as the monetary velocity kicks that money into the system. So it's all, all a very complicated way of answering your question. But uh, it's it is kind of a complicated topic. A lot of people try and make it overly simplified. Uh, it is not a simple issue, as are most things in economics. But at the end of the day, the simplest explanation is that inflation is prices going up for goods as there's uh, too much capital pursuing too few goods. And obviously, the lockdowns uh, added to the shortage of supply. So that's sure. Yes. That's everything. Yes. I mean, any anyone with the slightest bit of common sense knew a year ago when we were printing $5 trillion (laughs) that that was going to lead to inflation. Like you don't need to have a super intricate understanding of finances to understand that basic thing. $5 trillion. In in fact, the only people that don't understand that are PhDs in economics. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Those are the ones because they've been taught uh, that, you know, the Keynesian economic model, which basically says that that's not how inflation happens. I mean, they they have a completely backwards view of things. And I think that's part of the reason that we have um, such a, a misunderstanding about economics in this country is because the highest education uh, for this role of you know guiding economic policy is dictated by essentially Marxist professors. And yes. you know, that's that's not that's actually takes us backwards. It's not yeah. it's not helpful, is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, I, I said I got no education of it in school, uh, but that's almost a good thing. Because I would say so. What yeah. they teach in school is the wrong thing. For thirty years now, they've been they've been teaching Marxist principles on, on the economy. Like, mm-hmm. so that's produced a whole generation of people who believe the wrong things, believe the wrong principles, and are putting those principles out into society. And now here we are. Um, do they really? The- believe those things in your opinion or is it that from my from my rudimentary understanding of inflation inflation will make assets go up so if you're a guy who has millions of dollars of assets um houses stock market uh whatever those are going to go up so do they really not understand it or is it that they see this as another way to steal wealth out of the economy and from from the working man who doesn't have those assets sure that's a very good question um, I mean, it's it's hard to get into their minds, but I, I would say it's for those that are true believers, and there are many, uh, they genuinely believe that you can print money and it will not create inflation. I mean, the the people that push modern monetary theory, uh, or MMT is all use it for shorthand moving forward, mm-hmm. um, they think that it's, it is revolutionary economic principle. Like they think that this is a new thing that they discovered that you know, all these other people throughout history that tried printing money, they didn't know how to do it. We know how to do it and we can do it safely and it will not be inflationary. I mean, I think they're dead wrong. And history says they yeah. are absolutely out of their minds wrong. Um, but, you know, I think there are true believers. Now, there are also people that are 
political actors, um, money managers that understand exactly what this is because they aren't idiots and they have managed you know billions of dollars and they understand exactly what this creates and they mm-hmm. are front running the news and they're manipulating their uh, portfolios to benefit from it and they don't care. They don't care about how badly it damages the working class and the little guy. So as with most things, it's uh, it's a combination of malice and ignorance. And, you know, I, I would have to go case by case to tell you which person I think is, sure. is acting in that fashion. Yeah, I, I tend not to trust really anyone anymore, you know, like Good idea. other than the people under my own roof. I don't trust <laughs> right. anyone. So I don't I don't trust their intentions. But let's assume for a second their intentions are pure and they actually believe in this garbage. Mm-hmm. They must have an actual theory. What is the actual theory of modern monetary theory that believes inflation is good or printing money is good? Yeah, well, it's it's actually, well, first off, the Keynesian model believes that there there is a a positive outcome from modest inflation. That's why they always talk about having two to three percent. That's like mm-hmm. that's the Goldilocks zone right. where if you have two to three percent consistent annual inflation, that's perfect. That's what you want for a good economy. Sure. I completely disagree. You know, I think yes. under the Austrian model, you don't want inflation. In fact, deflation is a better, more healthy, holistic way to grow an economy because then your savings in- increase in value over time because right. with technological improvements, goods do go down in value. Like even with inflation, we have still seen flat screen TVs go from thousands and thousands of dollars down to a couple hundred bucks. Right. This is this is in the face of inflation. Imagine if the dollar wasn't losing value. I mean, you could buy a flat screen TV for like basically free for 1980s US dollars. It's mm-hmm. it's really crazy. Um, but so MMT is the idea that essentially there is no limit to, to the amount of money that you can print and just push into the economy. Um, I don't really understand how they, how they detach themselves from reality so much that they get to this conclusion and believe that it's acceptable. Um, but essentially their idea is as long as you have the capacity to tax, you're able to withdraw that money before inflation becomes a severe problem. So their idea is it's, it's essentially redistributive uh, policy making, where they're going to take money from the rich and then they're going to just pump it into the poor's bank accounts, and then the poor's get to spend that money. And because they're they're ripping so money so much money from the rich via taxation, the poor's will never uh, create widespread inflation. This is the idea. It's obviously central planning. It's obviously detached from reality. It's obviously going to benefit the the people that actually write these policies, which are always the the money elites and not the yeah. poor. Um, so that's, that's essentially what it is. Well, most, okay. So most super wealthy people, the majority of their money sits, right? It's in assets. It sits, it's not being spent on goods and services. It's in investments. So if they're going to tax all of that and give it to poor people to spend, uh, that doesn't sound on his face like a terrible thing, except for the fact that that's going to cause even more inflation because you're putting, like you said, from the beginning, you're putting more money into the markets or into society to be spent. So that's naturally going to cause more inflation. Um, seems like well, that's going to hurt everybody. I don't, I don't get the logic either. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I don't, I don't either, but I mean, it, they basically, it's like, because I think it's because it's the reserve currency of the world and they're right that you can get away with a lot of financial malfeasance when it comes to printing. If you're the, the reserve currency of the world, which the U S right. dollar still is. Um, but I think that they're dead wrong that you can do that in perpetuity. Like they, you, uh, it's not even, I, I'm going to remove, I think, I know, yeah. I know they're wrong. 
<laughs> so like you cannot print infinite dollars and expect those dollars to maintain their value. It just goes against logic. So I don't even have to put like my belief on it. It's just a fact. Um, so yeah. that's that's their their belief though, is because they're the central reserve uh, or the, the reserve currency of the world, they can do it. Um, and the, as, as of now, they look like they're right because we're the reserve currency of the world, but we won't be forever. Okay, so, and yeah, so let, me, let me ask you about that. So inflation is good for the government because it makes money less valuable and it allows them to pay back the interest on our 30 trillion in debt a little bit easier. So I get Correct. that. So the, the money become with inflation, money becomes less valuable. The, the interest payments we have to make become easier to pay. Well, yep. can't our creditors like China and whoever else, can't they see this obvious move and can't they just be like, uh, yo, fuck you, America. We don't want dollars anymore. Can they? Can they just say that? Can they say we're not going to take dollars for this debt? They they can. Well, no, not when it comes to uh, coupon payments. Like whatever the the money lent is is usually the the currency that it has to be repaid in. So they couldn't just be like, you're not allowed to pay us back in dollars. What they can do though is say we're not going to lend you money anymore. Gotcha. Um, and and they can also say we're not going to trade in your currency anymore. And you've seen that. In fact. Mm -hmm. Libya, Iraq, many of the company uh, countries that we invaded over the past 20 years are countries where their leaders decided to stop using the US dollar for trade and then we blew them up. Yes. So, yes, that's exactly I don't think, what happened. Yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence personally, um but, you know, uh, get my Alex Jones hat on. I I honestly think that's why uh oftentimes we invade countries is because this is the US dollar hegemony is the most important thing to this country. And mm -hmm. And this is why I take it so seriously that they're in that they are intentionally pumping so many trillions of, of new dollars into the system is because I think that they'll do really dramatic things to try and prevent the dollar from dying. Um, but at this point, I'm now shifting my Alex Jones hat to believe that perhaps they are planning to debase the U.S. dollar and shift to a central bank digital dollar. Um, so that's that's a whole nother topic, but maybe we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so you brought up two things. Number one, you said number one, our money is backed by nothing except world confidence. So yeah, it's, it's supremely important that the that it is a world currency. That's the only thing at this point that gives it value. It's not back that and the and and the petro deal we have in the Middle East. But exactly. you said that China could decide not to take dollars anymore. Now let's go back to the five trillion that was that was created last year. When the Federal Reserve makes money, they have to sell bonds. Traditionally, they sell those bonds to other countries. From my understanding, other countries didn't want them this time. So they forced those bonds onto American pension funds. And if that's true, bonds pay out about 1% a year. And from my understanding of pension funds, they need to make payouts of about 7% a year to meet their obligations to the people who hold pensions. So what the fuck is going to happen there? Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, this is why I I rail against the ticking time bomb that I see in the pension funds. Uh, I don't actually know that they forced them to purchase treasuries. I I do know that that the Federal Reserve has has done. Um, it's called reverse repoing, where they give they give you know big borrowers, usually banks and hedge funds and things like that, um, access to essentially free money to go and it's basically a way of monetizing the debt, like where they are printing the money and then buying the bonds with printed money. So yeah. that's exactly what all central banks do when they get to the final stages, Weimar Germany and things like that. That's This is why I'm so nervous. Um, but to your, to your more specific question, 
the pensions are in serious trouble. I mean, the, the only reason that they have been held afloat is because we have had record um, you know, stock market gains and and we've done so almost entirely with printed capital, you know, just mm-hmm. just funneling dollars into this bullshit system. So I don't think it's sustainable. Well, let me drop that. I don't think again. I know it's not sustainable, and uh, and I don't know really how how it plays out. Other than I think that ultimately they'll probably try and do bailouts and all sorts of nonsense um, once we start to see pension funds go yeah. bankrupt because they can they have uh, for those that don't understand pension funds normally they have a defined uh, benefit. So mm-hmm. if you've put in X amount of dollars and your returns are like like if you're a firefighter or a cop or something, usually you have a defined benefit once you retire. So those pension funds, they have to pay out that yeah. amount to you. Yeah. Like you have a contract with them that says as much. So if they're not making the returns on their investments, the pension that holds this huge, uh, you know, pile of of money, um, what are they going to do? I mean, you can have pension funds go bankrupt, and you then you can right. have basically go into bankruptcy, and you have to have negotiations with creditors. Your creditors are essentially the pensioners. And uh, that's where you start to get real revolutions is when, you know, exactly people, people don't get paid the money they expected to. Yes, that, you know, we've talked before and I've talked with other guests that people don't fight back when they're comfortable. Some mm-hmm. people are starting to get uncomfortable right now with the idea of vaccinating their children and things like that. But a whole hell of a lot of people are going to get uncomfortable when that pension check doesn't come. Oh my um, God. That's yeah. when you have violence in the streets on a mass scale. And the government can't have that. So I think what they're due is, is like you said, they're bail out the pension funds, which now, you know, we're talking about hyperinflation at that point. And yes, then, then it's kind of ball game over. But then you look yep. at the alternative, the only way to control it, correct me if I'm wrong, the only way to control this inflation is to re- lower interest rates. But if they lower interest rates, the stock market's going to take a tumble, which is going to kick no, actually, off all actually, this anyway. It, 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 actually, the way to, to stop inflation is to increase interest rates, not lower them. That's what, that's what I meant, increase interest rates. But okay, if they okay. increase, increase the interest rates, that's going to that's gonna create a tumble would, in the stock market and absolutely. the pension funds aren't going to be liquid at that point anyway. You're absolutely so right. This, damned if you do, damned if, damned if you don't right now. You're, you're, you're right. This is... Uh, I forget the term, but it's something to the effect of like the the zero bound conundrum. You know, mm-hmm. when you and the zero bound being when interest rates approach zero, you get to a this this point where you basically have no more capacity to ma- manipulate the money supply um, because you're at the zero bound. Like, what do you do? You go negative. Well, the answer to that is yeah. Apparently, you can. Mm-hmm. There are negative uh, return bonds that have been sold Good. in mass. Across Europe, you have you have countries that are actually being paid to borrow money, and yes. creditors still buy them. I mean, it's fucking bizarre, and we have yeah. an inflationary environment. So, and let's, yet so let's, still- let's pause on that. So you're talking yeah. about negative interest rates, and what that means is you take you borrow money from the government, and they pay you interest on what you've borrowed, essentially, right? Well, actually, no. It's the it's the the government borrowing money from you, government borrowing you, money from you, and you. So you say you you lend the government a trillion dollars. And they pay you back, you know, nine hundred ninety nine uh, billion. It's like, gotcha. it's it's fucking weird. I don't I don't understand why anyone would do it, but I, I think it's politically connected people. I think it's another version of of uh, monetizing the debt, essentially. Okay, so if they do that, wouldn't people just like liquidate their savings? Like, don't savings account become worthless at that point? 
Well, yes and no. I mean, some people do, but uh, a lot of people aren't very, I mean, especially the smaller people, they're not privy. They don't understand what's happening. So a lot of people just have their money sit in a bank account and and have its its value be depleted over time. Um, but certainly, you know, other people, the young in particular, have been shifting enormous amounts of assets into cryptocurrencies. And, yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, not that course. young, but yeah. Well, I, I'm cl- close in age. I mean, same same idea. It's like those those that are a little bit more technologically savvy have been shifting into cryptocurrencies and, and precious metals and, and trying to get in front of this inflationary wave. Um, but there's there's another factor that people. I'm I'm basically the only libertarian that talks about this, but I think it's because I understand debt so well because of my experience as a mortgage broker. But there was another side of this coin that, you know, there was there was actually this period in Weimar Germany where the value of the the Reichmark, the the currency there, went up in value as they were printing money. And the the reason that happened is because there's this deflationary spiral that happens sometimes. Everyone right now is betting. On an inflationary, on a hyperinflationary death spiral, do not be surprised if you get whipsawed out. Where there is this period where, even though the government's printing an enormous amount of money, there's so much debt in the system that there starts to be cascading defaults because there's so much malinvestment. Basically, what we saw in 2009, where you could see the the dollar increase in value because the debts become unsustainable. There starts to be creditor defaults that that oh, cascade across the system, and then the dollar goes up. Asset classes come down, and then That'll be your opportunity, probably your last opportunity before the death of the dollar, where you can push all of your additional chips into the center of the table, buy up stocks, um, cryptocurrencies, precious metals, and then allow hyperinflation to take care of you from there. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but do not bet exclusively on a hyperinflationary. Let, let me see if I, if I understand that correctly. So you're saying that as, as the uh, economy becomes more unstable, people can't afford their assets, they default and the defaulting brings down or raises the value of the dollar against those assets. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's that, but that would not be, we would not see that as like some people might see that and think the economy's turning around, but it's not, it's just like a, a blip before the big plunge. Yeah. Well, what you would see is people would, would basically completely 180 on their, their positions. The re- the reason that this is an issue is because you have so much leverage in this system. I don't I don't I don't have the figures in front of me, but I looked at it about a week ago where there was an enormous amount of like like record setting uh, margin. When mm-hmm. it, margin is when you yeah. buy assets, stocks on credit, mm-hmm. and and whenever you're in that situation, if you see a ten percent drop in the stock market, there start to be margin calls. Those margin calls lead to additional margin calls as the Everything cascades down because people have to sell assets to meet those margin calls. You could still see that even in an inflationary environment, that can still happen. So, I just want people to be uh, aware of it. It's I'm not saying it's it's a guarantee, um, but a lot of people are telling people that hyperinflation is a guarantee, and I want to make sure people know it's not that simple. Well, it seems like that's inevitable, but it might we might not just continue in one direction. Essentially. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get a, a little a little more for the common man here, right? So inflation is going up. Let's say I have a house. The the value of my house is going up with inflation. It's looking beautiful, but my job is not paying me enough to fucking get groceries at the grocery store because meat has essentially doubled. Would mm-hmm. it be a good idea to take an equity loan on my house so I can afford my lifestyle? Would it be better to sell my house so I can afford my lifestyle? Would it be better to just 
move somewhere cheaper? Like, what would you do if you're that guy? Well, I can tell you because I just did it. Um, I, I moved, you know, it, I would say, and this is always going to be circumstantial and none of this is financial advice. Everyone has to make these decisions sure. for themselves. But, um, you know, my personal belief is that you, you would be, if you share our belief system, right? so I'm speaking to our people, obviously here, um, I would highly recommend that you get out of blue states, especially if you're anywhere near where, you know, like the the heartbeat of the insanity with Los Angeles and, mm -hmm. and San Francisco, things like that, um, or New York City. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would personally prefer to see people sell and downsize or you could probably upsize. You could probably get a bigger house if you move to a red state that treats sure you can. like a free human being. Um, so that that would be my advice there. If now if you're in a position where you simply can't leave, mm -hmm. I think that there's there's an interesting um, calculation to be had where and this is very complicated. So I, I'm not advising anybody to do this, but you could take a home equity loan out, maximize your your credit, your your leverage on your biggest asset, which is your house. And you could put that into other um, assets other assets. I mean, you can do that. It's extremely dangerous because if we sure. have a deflationary collapse, uh, you'll be in trouble, right. but um, it's yeah, not. Yeah. I'm going to tell you straight up. That is an option. I did that in from like 2006 to 2008 house went through the, the roof. I borrowed on the house. I bought about seven more houses. I was sitting pretty about to sell them. And then yeah, the whole thing fell oh, apart. So yes, exactly. It, it's, you know, you're taking big swings when you do that, but it is an exactly. option. If you're if you're young and you don't have kids and you want to really yeah, risk something, yeah, exactly. Then then you know, hey, more power to you. But just know what you're doing. You know, know yeah. know the risk you're taking. Okay, so it seems like there's not a lot of options for the American economy to like get out of this. It seems the most logical thing would be tiny incremental um, increases in the interest rate. Yeah, that, that would actually be the, the that would be the glide yeah. landing if they would be willing. But that is political suicide because it is so unless everybody in america gets educated to the realities so that they are willing to endure that so they will vote for a politician who will do that we're fucked right like yes. economically yes we are um and 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 here's the, the really sad truth is that if you bore witness to the trump presidency i don't think it matters who gets in there no i don't think that they I mean, the, the Federal Reserve is independent, allegedly, um, but I think what they, they really do the bidding and they are basically a product of the, the money elites, the, you know, the big capital firms that exist on the, on the planet, not just in America. Um, so I don't think it matters who gets elected. I think there is no political solution to this whatsoever. I know that sounds very Blackpooled, but it's kind of freeing when you, when you <laughs> view it in that way, where you just go like, look, all of your railing against modern American politics it's a little bit out of your control. In fact, I would say it's entirely out of your control. So uh, just focus on your own situation, you know, focus on your own assets and your own investments and your own uh, employment and income streams. And I think that's the best you can do. I, I do not think that there's any chance that we see uh, Paul Volcker, Fed chair, which was the guy in 1981 that hiked interest rates to over 20% and, and really broke the back of inflation after Carter's presidency. I don't see a fucking chance of that happening. Now, could it? Sure, it's possible. Uh, but I'd say it's a very, very small chance. Yeah. Um, okay. So the last time you were on, we talked about crypto a little bit, and you 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 said you were a you're a 
old school money guy. You weren't completely sold on it. At this point, isn't it the best option? Like, okay, let's say this: we continue in the direction we're going. The Fed will be destroyed by this at some point. And that's kind of what all libertarians are kind of rooting for. So mm-hmm. you, you talk about black pill, that's kind of a white pill. Like mm-hmm. at the end of this, the Fed is done. And that's what we want. Does that leave a post-Fed um, solution that is Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency? Or you oh, mentioned yeah. earlier that the American government might be trying to take us into crypto like their crypto. Yeah, like their side crypto, doors into exactly. that. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I mean, that is that is the biggest white pill that exists on the planet right now, in my opinion, is decentralized currency. And I, you know, I am personally a proponent for Bitcoin, but I think that I'm not at all confident or, or assured that it's 100% going to be Bitcoin that replaces uh, the US dollar and fiat currency on the whole. I don't I don't know that. I mean, no one knows that if they tell you they do, they're lying because right. things change. Um, but I think it has the best chance. And I think that it it presents a, a fertile ground for kind of the libertarian utopia we've talked about and dreamt of for eons. It's like, yeah, it's it has a it has a fighter's chance. You know, yeah. I, I'd still say it's an underdog uh, because ultimately the the state has the power of um, you know of the monopoly on violence, mm-hmm. and and they can do a lot to to throw a wrench in our our best laid plans. So. I'm hopeful, but I'm not assured uh, that all being said, I am much more, uh, I don't know, optimistic and mm-hmm. and a believer in Bitcoin than I was even six months ago. I've had Guy Swan on and a bunch of other people that have, you know, progressively over time, you know, continued to convince me that this thing might really be the real deal. Uh, but don't I put still, all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's also 13,000 cryptocurrencies out there, right? So right. To, to try to pick the winner is kind of hard. And also, yeah, it seems like the government is wise to this and they're going to they're gonna try to ram everybody into some kind of crypto hole that they have control of. And then that, you know, it's, it's the, it's the federal reserve, but with a crypto, it's, it's no better. It's probably worse because now you can't even like do what you want with cash without the government oh, knowing brother, it would be it worse. Is- it is way worse. I mean, yeah. it is it is the worst of all worlds because it's now electronic, so you can't do anything without being tracked. The one upside of fiat currency, the physical kind, the U.S. dollars that we have in our hands, they they don't have a fucking clue what you do do with those right. things. I mean, that's yeah. amazing. That's like the best thing about uh, the current uh, system. So yeah, if if they go digital where they can track everything and they can they can they can come they can shut down your bank account. They can they can push money into your account. They can basically completely excommunicate political dissidents mm-hmm. from society. Uh, there's this other thing. Yeah, uh, thank Clint, thank Clint, God you hosted Liberty Lockdown. You said a mean thing about Joe Biden. Bye bye all your money. Exactly. And and there's I mean this is a good thing, uh, but it's it was a very scary thing. The person that they uh, that the Biden administration was pushing to be I forget what her her role was, but she just got kicked out uh, during uh, I think it was Senate hearings or for her approval of her position. But this lady was an open Marxist. And she was saying her plan was to have all bank accounts held at the Federal Reserve. Yes, I all heard that. That's terrifying. Yeah, bro. That is horrifying. Um, and thank God she was on the record saying a bunch of Marxist shit because uh, the, uh, you know, the GOP senators were able to get her um, thrown out. But man, that would have been that would have been the death knell for us. Sure would have. Um, what about this idea of um, Janet Reno floated out about taxing unrealized capital gains? Um, do they really think like 
that wouldn't just ruin everything. Like, <laughs> I, don't I, I don't get it. I don't get it on any <laughs> level how they could see that as a good idea. Do they got to know that's that's a bad idea and they want to destroy things, right? They they're trying to destroy us. That that was my conclusion after a lot of deep thought on it. I was like, look, no matter how stupid these people are, they have to know that if every year we had to pay taxes on unrealized capital gains, it would force a mass liquidation event where it would it would create an annualized predictable stock market crash. Like that's yes. what it would do. It's yes. it's assured. So, um I don't yeah. think they'll do it, but if they do, believe me when I tell you, it is part of the Build Back Better, Great Reset, World Economic Forum shit. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. If they proceed with that, that is an intentional implosion of the economy. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I believe. Because they're, I mean, Janet Reno, she's she looks like a dumbass, but she's not a she's not a dumbass. Like, she's she's got to know that would cause a complete collapse in the economy. And and okay, so we had um. We had G. Edward Griffin on a while ago. I couldn't. I, I learned after that that dude is ninety. I didn't know that at the time. He's still, you know, he's five times as smart as me. This guy's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, but you know, he 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 believes that they want the entire world on one world currency that that is under their control. That yeah. would be a surefire way to make that happen. If the entire economy defaults, there's there has to be a global reset of that. Yep. And I that, think that's what the Great Reset is. I, yeah. I honestly believe that all of their window dressing that they put on it, like oh, it's about you know preventing global warming and and looking after the poor and uh, you know racial equality and all. Yeah. I think it's a hundred fucking lizard people don't care about racial no. equality. They don't. No. They don't care about their sons and daughters. They tell me they care <laughs> about some black guy in Compton. They don't give a fuck. It's <laughs> no, not at all. They don't, and they certainly don't care. I mean, you don't lock down the economy if you care about poor people. No. I'm sorry, you just don't do that. So. Um, yeah, that's what it is. In my opinion, it's crystal clear that that's their intention is they're going to, they, I, my belief at this point is that they use the lockdowns and they're using all of this, the printing, everything else to essentially shift us into a digital currency and, uh, collapse the current economic world order and reorient it into a singular world government. And I, I grant you, and I hear myself and I know I sound crazy, that's my honest well, belief. Honestly, after lots of honestly, years of thinking Clint, about it. Honestly, yeah, you sound it sounds a little Alex Jones's Jonesy-ish. Yeah. Um and three, two years ago, most people would just say, That's fucking crazy. This guy's crazy. I'm not gonna listen to this crazy guy. But that's not the case anymore. Like Alex Jones was right about a lot of shit. A yeah. lot of shit, like more shit than he was incorrect about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and 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 for the record, two years ago, I would have said I was crazy. I yeah. didn't believe this shit two years ago. So I am adjusting with the times. I mean, I'm yes. watching there, this happen and, and reassess. There doesn't seem to be any other um, explanation for the moves. If Not there's another explanation. So, so when I ask my Democrat friends, I have, I have Democrat friends who are in government. They're, they're government people. And I ask them about this stuff, like hoping to get an explanation that makes sense. But there's no explanation. It's just denial. Right. So they're, it's either they don't, they're not in on it. They don't know, or I think it's that's just right. deny the plan. Right. I think that, I think that the lower level folks and no disrespect to your friends, but I think that they're ignorant to, to what's actually happening. And I think so that, too, because these know, are I, good people. I know these people. I, th exactly. I think that's exactly it. They don't know. They don't understand it. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't use the word ignorant as a, uh, you know, pejorative. No. I'm not, I'm not shitting on these people. I just, they just don't know. They mm -hmm. just genuinely don't know. So um, but the people at the top know, 
they know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly why they're doing it. And they know it's because we have 300 plus trillion dollars in debt globally in this system. I mean, it is unsustainable definitionally. Um, so it's gonna, it's gonna come crashing down at some point mm-hmm. timing. I don't know. Uh, but their plan is to make sure that when it collapses, they are the arbiters of how society is restructured. Yeah, that's exactly what they're talking about, and that's what Build Back Better is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about this? Uh, this I, I've heard some stuff. I don't understand this one too well. Um, this Evergrande thing in in China. What 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 is that? What's going on? <laughs> Evergrande was the biggest construction developer in China. And they are, I think it's three or four hundred billion dollar uh, U.S. dollars. Even though I'm sure it's that's a conversion, I'm sure they're not actually uh, borrowing in U.S. dollars. Well, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Anyways, that's not the point. Um, they are the biggest construction lender, and they missed a coupon payment. A coupon payment essentially means that you owe your creditors, you know, X amount of dollars based off of how much money you've borrowed per month. Mm-hmm. They missed it. That's a default. Um, Obviously, after a certain amount of time, uh, the default gets egregious enough. You you are declared bankrupt. I sure I'm I'm pretty sure China has a similar bankruptcy proceeding. I don't know for a fact, but um, long story short, you know it it would be the the way I view it as someone who witnessed the 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 uh, real estate economic collapse in America in 2008 and nine. This this is likely the first domino. This is exactly what happened. You saw Lennar Builders, if people remember that name. Uh, a bunch of the biggest developers in the country went bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, now we all, obviously we also had Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and all these other big boys that went. So like we haven't seen enough dominoes for me to know with certitude that China is on that path too. Uh, but I, it's something that should be on people's radar because if they go, if if uh, Evergrande goes, there has already been other affiliated companies that were developers that were kind of adjacent to Evergrande that have also now missed coupon payments. This has the capacity to be a cascading default, which is exactly what we saw in America in 0809. If that happens and China is having their first major recession in forever, decades and decades, uh, prepare for serious economic ramifications because we are all interconnected. Yeah, we sure are. Um, and and okay, so if, if China starts to default, if they have a, a major recession, could that cause um, renewed interest in the dollar, which might appear to be a good thing and cause a little deflation like you were talking about yeah. earlier? Could yeah. that be what kickstarts the deflation? I'm, I'm so glad you got that on your own. That's awesome. Uh, yes, that's exactly what my thesis has been. Is I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, is that after, after Evergrande defaults, if they actually end up going bankrupt and it creates a cascading default and there is a significant recession in China, I could completely see uh, a situation or a circumstance where because we're in competition with one another, you essentially have this, this period where on a relative basis, the US dollar increases in value. Now, it's all about relative things right. because all these things are, value, are, are paper. They're, none of them have any value. The reason they have value is in, in relative uh, competition with one another. So you see China eat shit. Obviously, the US dollar will probably strengthen as, as capital flees China as they realize, oh, the the house of cards is coming crumbling down, you would see massive capital inflows into America and into the US mm-hmm. dollar and into treasuries. If people buy treasuries, that reduces the rates of, of borrowing for the US government, that increases the value of the, the dollar potentially. Um, these are all these are all potential so China- groundwork for a deflationary period 
where the dollar becomes strong. So if we see China starting to, if we see this Evergrande starting to default, it's it's the first domino of what we will see over there in China. We should expect money to come into the American economy, into the dollar, which will raise the value of the dollar, decrease assets. That's the time when you take whatever you have in your bank account, buy up stock, buy up real estate, buy get out of the dollar, and then hold on tight because it's just going to be a moment, and then we're going. That, we're going that's with my them. that's my belief. I mean, there there's also a very unlikely potential where the dollar strengthens and there becomes some American president. Say it happened right in 2024, and we got some Austrian, uh, you know, economic prince, president that gets mm -hmm. in there and he says, "Okay, we're going to hike interest rates, even yeah. though the dollar is going up in value. We're going to have the Federal Reserve hike interest rates, and we're going to get back on a more sustainable path." It's extraordinarily unlikely. So I'm not yeah. telling anyone to bet on that. Uh, my bet is on on it us getting a deflationary collapse where we we basically have um, the dollar strengthen and assets uh, decrease in value. And then that'll be your last opportunity to buy before there's a hyperinflationary death. That's that's my belief. Interesting you say that about um, you know the, the raising interest rate. I actually heard last night on MSNBC of all places, Diane Swank, um, she's the Grant Thornton chief economist. She said, she suggested that the Fed will increase interest rates. Yeah. Now, I don't know who she is, but she was important enough to be on their TV screen. She thinks it's going to, she thinks they will do it. That seems well, unlikely to me. Obviously, you think it's unlikely. Why would well, she be thinking it? Yeah. The, the, well, the reason is because there's these things called, uh, if you, you can actually look at it, it's called the Fed Minutes. It's uh, where they, they report on Fed meetings after the fact and they tell you what they've discussed. Okay. And the Fed is, there's this board of governors. I forget if it's 12 or 13. There's some amount of, of governors of the Fed banks and there's X amount of them. And they get together and they talk about what they're going to do for monetary policy. It's insane. I don't know why it exists. I think it's completely corrupt and illegal and uh, unconstitutional and criminal and everything else, but that's what they do. So it, with those minutes, investors like myself dive into them and they go, what the fuck are these assholes talking about? Because we have to front run the news or at least attempt to. So that's what they're talking about. They're talking about tapering. They're talking about not buying as many assets uh, via the Federal Reserve. They're talking about in increasing interest rates. But the truth is they've been given that lip service for quite some time. And I don't think they're going to do it. Um, I could be proven wrong. I am I am okay. obviously calling them liars by saying yeah. I don't think that they're serious about it, but they are liars. So I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm betting I'm betting based off of history that they're not so, going to do what they say. So they're they're saying this is probably what we should do, but we're probably not going to do it. That's essentially it. it. Yeah, because yeah. because every time every time they they talk about it, it's because we have these increasing inflation rates that even under their bullshit figures, they say, oh, well, inflation's up four and a half, five percent. Uh, year over year, like we got to start to taper, we got to start to increase interest rates. But then they can they can do all sorts of finagling to to make the interest uh, or make the inflation rate seem more reasonable than it is. I mean, you've seen the politicians yeah. Saki and Biden coming out, and even Kamala Harris's bitch ass talking about how you know it's not as bad as it seems. Like, yeah, it's well, a they denied it all together. Then they they said it was right wing conspiracy right. that there was inflation. <laughs> then they right. then they said that um, it's transitory. Then they said it's actually good and lower your expectations. Right. You know, so they're they're just they're changing their narrative like they do with anything else. They're fucking oh. useless. Yeah, you're exactly right.
Yeah. <laughs> I love that analysis. That's great. Yeah. You're totally right. That's what they do. They, yeah. it, it, it doesn't exist. Okay. It exists, but it's not a big deal. Okay. It exists and it's kind of bad. Okay. It's actually a good thing. You're right. It's a good thing. Yeah. We scumbag. did this for you. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. All right, Clint, uh, you've been fantastic. Uh, I really appreciate your time. I, I think the audience got some out of that. I, I, I definitely did. So awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, guys out there, please check out Clint's show. It's an amazing show. And if you're, if you're into Liberty and if you've been converted to Liberty and if you don't want your kids jabbed, Liberty Lockdown is the show for you. Check yep. it out. Clint, where else can they find you? Yeah, well, it, and if you're, if you're looking for some economic advice too, I mean, uh, go ahead and hit me up on at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter. That's usually the, the social media that I use the most. Um, this week I'm having on... Jake Shields, five-time MMA champ. That'll be fascinating. Oh, awesome. Uh, I'll also have on uh, Josie, the redhead libertarian, and and uh, James Lindsay, who's like the... Oh, he's probably, awesome. I had him. Yeah. yeah. he's yeah. he's That dude's amazing. He's, he's, uh, he's the best, so I'm thrilled about that one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Then, well, go ahead. Oh, and then I was also going to say, I just had uh, Mikel Thorup on, who is the host of Expat Money Show, and we talk all about expatriation. So if you're hearing all this and you're getting scared to death, uh, tune into that episode so that you can make sure you know there is there are exit plans that you can prepare for so if you have that uh those assets to do so make sure you check that episode out thank you so much for having me on man it was it was a blast awesome thank you clint